to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And this is Dragon Tales. It's a special edition of The Raven Narratives storytelling event featuring stories told by Southwest Open High School students and staff at a live storytelling event that we had on April 7th. This project was made possible by a grant from Think360 Arts for Learning. Thank you so much. And this is the second of two podcasts that will include the Dragon Tales storytellers. So if you haven't listened to the first one, make sure to do that. And like at our usual Raven Narratives events, we had a Cracker Jack Box storyteller at Dragon Tales. That's where the audience puts their name in the Cracker Jack Box, and we pull one name to tell a four-minute story. It was awesome to have Dragon Tales storyteller Ryan Lee's mom, Tia, as our Cracker Jack Box storyteller. Here is her story. Tia Lee. Ooh, I think that's Ryan's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, welcome her to the stage. Come on up. All right. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Ryan's mom. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. <laughs> well, um, I guess I could start with saying that my dad thinks it's absolutely ridiculous that I'm afraid of sharks. Um, my great-great-grandmother was a shark worshiper, um, and he's, she used to go down to the shores on Maui and with her best friend. They would chum the water, dump fish blood into the water, and watch as all the sharks come up, <clears throat> and they would hand-feed them in the ocean while singing songs to the uh, Hawaiian god of the shark, uh, Mano. My dad would watch from the cliff above, seeing tiger sharks and reef sharks and lemon heads, all kinds of sharks. So he's like, you shouldn't be afraid of sharks. Hawaiians turn into sharks when they die. And I said, they can smell my howly blood. <laughs> they know I'm Scottish. <laughs> my mom blames herself because she saw Jaws in the theater while pregnant with me. Um, I remember being four years old and at my grandparents' house on Maui. And I was up in past the Lanai um, with my cousin Tammy. We were underneath the table playing cards. And I hear my grandpa down in, from the outside and he says, you know, Tammy, Tia, come and see here. And uh, my lovely rendition of pigeon English. <laughs> um, so we go outside, we come down through the, um, under, out from underneath the table through the dining room, into the kitchen, down the lanai, right around the corner. We're running, and we stop short. And there's this big silver thing with fins and teeth <laughs> and claws, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> I stop just short of it, being about yay tall, lean over, and as I do, it flops up, snaps. And I'm gasp and I yell, shark! And I don't think my feet ever left the ground from there around the corner, back through the lanai, up the stairs into the kitchen, back and there into my bed, and I wish that I was like somewhere else at that point. So I'm hovering under the covers and my grandpa comes in and he's laughing. I'm like, you're laughing, it's just a shark, it's trying to kill me. And I'm like, it's a shark, it's a shark, and he's like, no. He's like, it's not a shark, it's, a sh it's just a fish, it's just a fish. And I was like, that is not a shark, that is not, that is not a fish, that is a shark. And he's like, come on out, come on out. And I'm like, nope, nope. So I would not leave the bed. He tried to get me out, he thought it was terribly funny. 
so later on that evening they had the luau and that giant sturgeon was apparently <laughs> laid out there for everyone to pick and eat and I still thought it was a shark and I swear to this day that that was a shark <laughs> but that has pretty much it <laughs> Thanks, Tia, for telling that great story off the cuff. Our first regular storyteller during part two of Dragon Tales was Southwest Open High School student James Gonzalez. James is quite the unique individual. In his free time, he enjoys lazing around, watching and commenting on TV shows with his grandma, and spending a nonsensical amount of time mastering video games. He also enjoys finding humor in a world where there often is none. Here's James' story. Hi there, I'm James Gonzalez, obviously. So my story actually begins in Ponga City, Oklahoma of all places. This is where I was born, with my mom, without my dad, so that's how I got my last name. Uh, funny story actually, me, I live with my grandma right now, and uh, she also has an odd last name, her last name is Roseberry. So we are the odd ones out of my family. Everyone else in our family is of each, which is hilarious because we're the odd ones out, we live like way off from everyone else. We're just our own little bundle. Anyway, uh, we actually, I actually, this story isn't about them. It's actually, well, technically. Um, it's about me and my cousin, Angel. Um, we actually grew up in a uh, very platonic relationship. We grew up like brother and sister. And uh, the thing is, my mom and my Aunt Kelly, which is Angel's mom, had the brilliant idea that whenever one mom bought a kid a toy, the other mom would buy the exact same toy, just in a different color. Um, you can see where the problems are going to arise, especially when my mom left to California because she was needed a sabbatical, she was a horrible drug addict, I don't know, I was really young, I didn't care. Um, anyway, I eventually found myself living with my Aunt Kelly and Angel. Um, after my aunt went through tedious paperwork of many stories I've been told that was awful, the paperwork was awful, the, class, the classes were awful, but she eventually became my guardian. Anyway, uh, we were living together up in the Dolores apartments. I am now somehow magically from Oklahoma to Colorado. I'm not telling that part of the story. But um, uh, we are in Dolores and living in this apartment. Kelly's dating this guy named Jeremiah, or Jeremiah, sorry. I hated him, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> We, uh, me and my cousin Angel fought all the time, mostly because I didn't have a mom in my corner buy me toys. Um, but we eventually, like I was, uh, everything she did, she always got the better of the bargain in my tiny little child brain. Um, like this one time, one of the memories that stick out most for me back when I was in Dolores with them, uh, she ate an entire pan of brownies that were not supposed to be touched. Um, however, Guess who got blamed for it? Me. My tiny little child brain was like, what the hell? I know I didn't know that word, but later on, that's what I said. Anyway, um, I, uh, I was, I just, just, there are many more stories I can tell, but I'm jumping forward a little bit. I'm back with, uh, I'm living with grandma. She eventually got a hold of me. I can't remember how. There was a lot of uh, difficult stuff in there. I'm not going into it. Um, 
I remember actually my dad was now back in my life a little bit every now and on, and we were at the fairground with my other cousin Tyler and Angel, uh, down where the carnival is. It's cool. We're still little tiny tykes. Um, there's this sheep riding competition, and there's a sheep, and it's cool. We're supposed to ride sheep, but only little kids can enter it but there was only one slot left and both me, Tyler, and Angel wanted it. So my dad got this brilliant idea and said, hey, pick a number between one and three. Tyler picks one because he was a little faster than me. He got the number one. He's like, yeah, number one, that's the best number. I picked two because two is the most smart number. It's right in the middle, can't go wrong. Angel picks three because she was a little slow. Um, Of course, I won, which was great. I was so excited, but then Angel started bawling. Tyler started whining, everything was a mess. After everything was done and over with, Angel got to do it. I was pissed off. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> yeah, she got second place, and that's not the point. We got a free tickets to the carnival. It was awesome. I stuffing food in my tiny child face. I was, that's not the point. I was mad. She got the better in the deal. That in my tiny little brain. Fast forward a little bit, I'm somehow not with my grandma anymore. I'm back living with Doth Kelly, my dad, and my Aunt Susie, who is Tyler's mom. Um, it's a huge house. There's, like, everyone's in there. We are, like, now in um, fifth grade. We are still getting into, like, physical confrontations. This one time, I remember, we got in a, me and Angel got in this big altercation. She somehow bit me square in the middle of my back. I had the scar on my back for days. I don't know how she did it. I had, I just, I don't even know. Uh, that's another implication of, uh, anyway. I find myself back with my grandma through, uh, sixth through eighth grade. Now, in eighth grade, it's 2012, um, I'd like to take a pause for a moment and tell you about my, one of the most best men I have ever knew, and it was my Papa Dave. My Papa Dave is the reason, uh, one of the very many reasons I am who I am today. He gave me my mouth and my argumentative capabilities. <laughs> I uh, will now argue with anyone and everything just to prove. I will tell you the sky is purple because that's the thing I know, and you are wrong. Um, he was a big influence on my life, but he was also a big influence on Angel's life because Angel revered him. Um, but I thought that was unfair. She was never there. Uh, she was always off with mom doing her cool, fun things that I never got to do, that I was still super jealous of. Um, anyway, it's uh, 2012. Um, my Papa Dave is, he's a super huge dude. His nickname was Sasquatch all the time. Everyone, this is how big he, he was huge. Anyway, he had a lot of medical problems. Um, he, I remember the day very vividly. Um, he got back from the hospital because the hospital told him they could not do anything for him. Just go home. He actually had several aneurysms, which are basically blood clots that are enlarging like balloons. And he had five of them at once in five different places. The people cannot operate on one without one of them busting open. Um, however, I didn't quite realize that at the time. Um, he was home. My Aunt Kelly was there. I wanted to go spend the night at her house because I got to play video games there. I got to stay up. I didn't really care about tiny little things like that. My grandma actually did not want me to go. The only reason I got to go was because Pop Dave said, Donna, let the boy go. I got to go. Everything was great. I stayed up. I didn't stay up all night like I planned. I fell asleep. Next thing I know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. The phone rings. Um... I pick up, because everyone is lazy, they won't get off their lazy asses, they answer the phone, I get up off the couch, I go over there, pick the phone up, 
and it's my grandma. She's calm. She, her voice is just normal, and she's like, James, I need to speak to your Aunt Susie. I'm like, Grandma, why? What's wrong? She's like, James, I need to speak to your Aunt Susie. We repeat this uh, routine about eight times until I finally hand over the phone to my Aunt Susie. My Pop Dave ended up passing the night I left. And I didn't know how I felt. But what I did know was how everyone else felt at that moment around me. Everyone was crying. I remember my Aunt Kelly waking up Angel and she was bawling. And it was then I realized that maybe, she all, maybe Angel never actually did get the benefit at the bargain for everything. Fast forward a little more. I am in high school. I can't remember if it was my 11th or 10th grade year. I, I uh, well, my dad was, I was back, I'm still with grandma right now, but my dad was also living with us. This was back when he was a super heavy drinker. Um, he, uh, he was never physical when he drank. He was just super yelly and he was super mean when he yelled. Problem was, I yelled back. I was argumentative. I uh, was like, he was like, oh, you better be good. I was like, no, bite me. And I, um, anyway, this night, uh, it was eight o'clock about, and we were in this big fight. And I was just, we were yelling, we were fighting um, until I literally, I had pajamas on, I didn't have any socks on, I had uh, shoes on because I, I had towel shoes in my hand. And I was like, you know what, fine, you know, I'm leaving. I don't want to live with you while you're here. So he takes that, literally wraps his hands around my neck and throws me out the door. I'm pissed off, they're pissed off. I'm like, you know what, F you. you know? Um, so I get, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm mad, so you know, like, you know what, you know what, screw you guys, I'm going this, I'm going away. So instead of going towards Cortez, because that's where I know, I know that area out there, I decided to get, I got the brilliant idea to go the other way towards Pleasant View, where I don't have any idea where I'm going. I'm walking, I'm pissed off, it's four hours, I've been walking for four hours on the side of the highway at night in nothing but a pair of shoes. Um, I eventually found myself at that Pleasant View post office. Uh, it's, I remember the box, it was blue, it's got dust all over it. I remember feeling very tired. I ended up using that payphone to call five different people to get five different numbers because I can only remember one number at a time. I had to write the numbers in the dust just to call the next person. I got a hold of my Aunt Kelly. I called her. And I said, I'm tired. I need, to, I, I need someone. And I was calm. I was no longer angry. She came out, or well, she told me that stay there, an officer will be there. So the officer came, we had a pretty chill conversation. He was like, I, was, he was like, I heard you left. I'm like, I, I would eventually come back. I don't know when, but I would have. Um, my Aunt Kelly shows up finally, but with her is my cousin Angel. She gets out of the car, and the first thing she does is punch me as hard as she can. And then she looks me in the eye and waggles her finger at me and says, don't you ever do that again. My cousin Angel, is a big reason of who I am today, whether she knows it or not. And even though she will never hear the words come out of my mouth, she is probably one of the most important things to me in this world. Thank you very much. Thank you, James, for telling that story. The next story at Dragon Tales was Gabrielle Duke Menier. Gabrielle is an 18-year-old high school student born and raised in Cortez, Colorado. She enjoys painting, hiking, and the ocean. Her plan for after high school is to move out of Colorado, travel, and go to school for dental hygiene. Here is Gabrielle's story. 
And you can go ahead and start the timer now. <laughs> um, so uh, everyone's actually kind of unaware of the story I'm telling because I totally told a different story at our dress rehearsal. And I decided last night at midnight that I was going to change it. <laughs> um, so, um, okay, so... I feel like this is not high, okay, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so one day I was laying in my bedroom and I heard the front door slam and then I heard gentle footsteps steps follow and I knew my mom was home because of her walking patterns and I pick myself up off my bed and I sluggishly go into the other room and she greets me with a nice big hug and she says hi sweetie gives me a kiss on the head and great I already know she wants something and because uh, my mom's not like that to me and um, so I continue the conversation with her for a couple minutes and of course she doesn't ask me right away because obviously I'm going to say no and she starts with uh, do you want to go get some coffee and I say yeah and she goes well after we can go paint this house because my mom is a contractor um, so that's kind of how she got me into the, it at this point I don't have a job I was fired I didn't have very hard schoolwork because it was first semester um, and um, uh, so I have no reason to say no. Um, so I go, I go into my room and I French braid my hair and I put on my Grateful Dead t-shirt. That was my favorite t-shirt. And I uh, get into the work truck. We go to Dolores. Um, on the way over, she's telling me about this painter's trick that she has where essentially we stack a six foot ladder on top of a 15, 20 foot ladder um, and we both climb to the top of the 15 or 20 foot ladder and the lighter person climbs up the six foot ladder and the weight from the bottom person holds the top person. And I'm thinking, wow, fuck, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm already scared of heights, so um, I'm a little reluctant, but my mom's kind of crazy, so I'm not gonna say anything. And uh, so we get there, everything's pretty chill for a while. Uh, I'm petting a cat. <laughs> It's one of my favorite things to do, so pretty happy. <laughs> and um, she sends me to gas station for her, and I'm like, ooh, a little detour, take uh, an hour. And come back, and she goes, okay, now we're gonna do the painter's trick. And she sets up the first ladder, and she climbs up, because she was the lightest, or she is the lightest, and she climbs up, with the second ladder and then stacks the second ladder on top of the first ladder and tells me come come on and I'm shaking all the way up the ladder because I'm terrified of heights already and so I get up the ladder and she we somehow <laughs> um, somehow maneuvered her up the second ladder that was flat against the house because we were painting I burped a little bit, sorry. We were painting a dormer, <laughs> and um, 
a dormer is like a, a thing on a two-story house that sticks up with a window. I hope everyone knows what I'm talking about, because I didn't know what it was. But um, so she gets up there, and everything's fine. And I'm shaking, and my knees are locked, and I have a headache. And um, I've been known to faint. And I am talking to her for a while. I'm feeling the breeze on my back. I'm feeling the sun on my back. And I think this is a perfect day, um, early autumn. October 21st, uh, feels nice outside, and then all of a sudden just start feeling sick to my stomach, and I look up and I go, Mom, I feel sick, and she goes, I'm, I'm almost finished with the side of this, just give me one second, we can get down, we can have a break, she, and I say, okay, okay, because my mom is terrifying while she's at work. Um, so I chill there and I put my uh, head into my arms. I, I'm trying to explain it. I put my arms up on a step of the ladder and I put my head into my arms and I think if I can just lay here for a second and try to not lock my knees and try to not move and try to stop shaking, I can get through this. And so that's what I try to do, and that's the last thing I remembered before I woke up on the ground. Um, <laughs> I uh, remember the first thing I saw was um, a tree with really very few leaves, and I think that I've just woken up from a nap, and weirdly enough, I think that I've woken from, up from a nap that I took before while laying on my grandma's porch, and I'm like, ooh, best nap of my life. And <laughs> then I, my sound comes back. I just slowly gain my senses back. And I can hear my mom just screaming at the top of her lungs, uh, running towards me. And it all became real when she put her head over mine and apologized and um, just ultimately tried to comfort me while I was just laying there quiet on the ground and she was the one who needed comforting. And I go, oh, oh mom, mom, did you fall? And she says, no, you fell and I'm really sorry. And I, I'm like, okay. And then the pain comes, then the body pain comes and I start screaming at the top of my lungs because I can't do anything else. And a neighbor comes over and my mom's like, shh, my work truck's outside, <laughs> That doesn't look good for business. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, she somehow got down off that ladder. I, I don't know how she did that, witchcraft. Um, so she somehow um, makes me get up off the ground because we can't afford an ambulance. America, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out to America and uh, our healthcare system. And we um, somehow get me into the truck and she says, I'm sorry but I have thousands of dollars worth of tools and I have to clean these up before we go. And I say, oh, okay, mom. And my mom's scary once again. And so I'm not gonna argue with her. She packs up and we head to the hospital and we 
go 80 miles per hour the entire time she says is your arm broken and I go I don't know mom I've never had a broken arm before and we're on our way to the hospital going 80 miles per hour and we get there and I have help from the hospital staff out of the truck because I can't move and I, I'm just like screaming in pain and I see a Toyok ambulance with a man being taken out of the back, has blood all over his chest, his face, everywhere, and of obvious gunshot wounds on his chest. And I think, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. And uh, I'm wheeled in there and um, I wait a little bit, wait a little bit more, and I wait a little bit more, and I'm super uncomfortable because, you know, um, <laughs> and uh, finally the CAT scan specialist comes in, and I, I can't stop telling her how pretty she is because I'm drugged up, and <laughs> um, I just remember laying in that tube and having a panic attack, and she asks me over and over again if I'm okay, and you can tell she feels bad, and I just go, yeah, you're pretty, and <laughs> and uh, finally the CAT scan's over, the doctor comes in, and he, he was also very pretty, might I say, <laughs> and he was a doctor, which makes it better if you're in the audience. Um, hi. <laughs> and um, he, he uh, but once he opened his mouth, he, he wasn't pretty anymore. He was kind of, you know, an asshole. And he is obviously irritated with me and um, my screaming. And he goes, you have a chipped tailbone and a clear or a clean fracture in your wrist. Goodbye. <laughs> and walks out, hands me my mom the papers and we go home. And that's a story of how I fell off of a 15, 20 foot ladder. There's no moral. <laughs> Thanks, Gabrielle, for that story. Next up is Southwest Open School teacher Tyson Wood. Tyson is an Indiana boy who's fallen in love with Western landscapes, specifically the rusty desert. He's a lover of rivers, sunset reflections in rippling water, and his community of friends. Tyson has a passion for the world of education and has found great value in discovering his potential as a human and as an educator. Here's Tyson's story. I got, I got to keep my hat up. Um, who are you? No, but seriously, who are you? Who am I, right? I'm Tyson Wood. I come from Irish, English, German, and Spanish, or not Spanish, no, no, Swedish descent. I'm from Randolph County, Indiana. I uh, spent my summertime playing baseball uh, and beautiful cotton candy sunsets. I spent my wintertime playing basketball year-round. Smelled like uh, concession stand popcorn. Every Sunday I went to my grandma's house, had some nice homemade cornbread, uh, tall glass of southern sweet tea, always smothered my cornbread and butter, crumble up a little bit of it, cover it in some uh, black eyed peas. That's who I am. 
Then I decided to go to college. It didn't really take me too long to flunk out. Um, hey, I'm nervous. Um, cool. So, uh, so I decided to go to college. I flunked out. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, I know what my major is going to be. And then I changed it. And then I changed it. And I decided to go and be a teacher. And that's what I became. I'm an educator. And so I was in this multicultural education class. And some lady uh, comes in. And her name's Patty. And she's like, hey, I'll go uh, out to uh, an American Indian Reservation and do your student teaching. I was like, that's cool. And uh, I've always been really interested and fascinated by Native American culture. I uh, would walk around by myself when I was a little kid, uh, going through the dirt, crumbling dirt clods, finding arrowheads or tools. I'd read through my dad's old um, Time Life mag or yeah, yeah, Time Life book. Anybody have a Time Life book? And uh, it's about American Indians. And I'd always look at these really vibrant colored pictures of like the the uh, the Sundance, right, or some Northwestern type of uh, artwork. Um, super cool. And so I'm like, yeah, let's head west. Head west, young man. Head west. And so that's what I did. And uh, packed up my blazer. Um, snapshot, this guy. Holy jeans, probably tie-dye t-shirt, sideburns, shaggy head of hair, some worn-out Birkenstocks. Been there? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, likely smelled like Nog Champa, if I said that correctly. Um, or some, maybe sandalwood. But anyway, so I pack up my blazer, head out west, and off I go. And uh, eventually get on Highway 160. You know where that is? And so Highway 160, take a right down McElmo Canyon, take a right at Anath, take a left at Bluff. Now I'm on Highway 163, heading south into the desert. I'm going deeper into the desert. Sun setting, deeper into the darkness. I'm getting closer and closer to my destination. It's a new moon. Everything's dark. All I can feel are the silhouettes around me and nothing but curiosity just pulsing in the night. What are these things? Later I'd find out. It's all that landscape I'd run around in. Keep on cruising up this nice incline right, right, right at the top of Cone Ridge. There it was, my new home. All these lights, it was huge. Kayenta was huge. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> it was all twinkly, right? Um, like, you know, like uh, rain dropping in water, like twinkly little lights. Believe this or not, all the hotels were booked. And so we went to the dorm where we were gonna stay for the next four months. And I was gonna do my student teaching. Um, woke up the next day, the whole town of Kayenta disappeared into the landscape. And, uh, but I was awakened that morning by Navajo children running up and down the hallway. They knew I was there. I didn't know I was there. So I wake up, go to the hallway. I'm a wallflower. Who am I? Could you guys stop, please? Thank you. Who am I? Where am I? Right? This little Navajo boy comes up, stares me right in the face, stoic, silent. So I look down, big smile, hey, <laughs> a little nervous laughter, stoic, <laughs> silent. 
And then he runs down the hall, sees his friends, and they're like, oh, they're laughing now, and they're pointing at me. Welcome to the res, Tyson Wood. And that's how it starts. A couple weeks later, I'm in class trying to teach, and this other little kid, probably the same guy, I don't know, I couldn't tell the difference at that point, and he comes up in my face, starts yelling at me in Navajo, he's like, whatever, chiz. It's like, chiz. I looked at my teacher, I'm like, what's chiz? She's like, oh, firewood, like a lot of firewood. And I'm like real sensitive about my name. I'm like, I'm wood, not woods. And she's like, oh, we'll call you sin. I was like, what's sin? She's like, twig. <laughs> so I'm like, I like firewood, yeah. <clears throat> so from that point on, I was chiz, chiz man, hostin chiz, yeah. That's who I became. Now that's who I am. Where am I going now? <laughs> wait, wait, there it is. Um, so so I'm, I'm out there. I, live out there. I, li- I lived out there for 11 years. My first four years was super difficult. Nobody talked to me, right? Well, my teacher friends talked to me. My students sometimes talked to me. And I had some Navajo buddies. I called them Navajo bros. And then, <laughs> but I went through the community, right? Post office, grocery store, flea market. Nobody talked to me. What's going on? Something magical about year five. Everything changed. I became a part of this community. It was super cool. I go to the post office. Hey, how you doing? You got my daughter, son, or niece in class. What? Really? I go to the grocery store. And the produce man, who's always like, <laughs> all of a sudden, he's like, hey, you know, you have my son in class. And what about the Phoenix Suns? And for the next six, six years, start talking about sports. Go to the flea market. Now I'm getting like handshakes and hellos and smiles. Even the Yabby Chase come up and like, boop, 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 hit me with willow uh, st- uh, sticks, not twigs, sticks. And, uh, you, know, you know, ask me for donations. I felt a part of it. Really? Dang. Okay. Super fast. Um, so anyway, I get to my last year. And I feel very much a part of this community. And uh, that's really distracting. Uh, so anyway, this, this senior, I'm just going to tell the story, man. So uh, the senior asked me um, if I want to become, like, want to go to a sweat lodge or a tache, right? And uh, so I go to the sweat lodge, and he's like, when you, when you come, make sure you bring uh, shorts, um, a jug of water, and a string. This is my Navajo government class. I'm like, a string, really? And he's like, yeah, for real, like a string. I'm like, whatever. He's like, I'm like, why? He's like, because, like, if you want to reproduce later, you need to bring a string. Get any idea? <laughs> So then he demonstrates to me, on the tip of his pencil, how he's going to tie it around the tip. Okay. Um, so I'm like, are you serious? And everybody in class is like, no, for real, it's really. I'm like, you know, whatever, you guys are joking with me, like tricksters, don't do that. And uh, for sure, I go to the sweat, and um, I'm helping a young man get the rocks heat hot, hot, hot and uh, telling me about the story of where the sweat comes from, from Navajo culture. And then, then everybody shows up. Old men, young men, middle-aged men. And then we're, you know, we're, we're, we have like, you know, some smoke to you know, prep ourselves for the ceremony. We go into the sweat lodge. Before we go to the sweat lodge, I forgot the important part. Um, all the young men step outside the circle and they turn their backs and they hunch over. And you see this little rustling with their arms. I'm like, huh, 
So I step outside the circle and I turn my back and I hunch over and I rustle my arms. And I tied up my future children. <laughs> and, uh, for real. And uh, so then we go into the sweat lodge and uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, that is a whole other story within itself. Um, extremely, uh, God, it's just so, so purifying and awesome. Um, so I eventually leave the res. And this is where things get really interesting for me. Who am I? I'm Chidge. I was Indiana boy living on a res. And uh, then I move, of all places, from Kanta, Arizona, right to Bayfield, Colorado. Quite different. And, uh, and at that moment was when the bottom fell out for me. Who am I? It was a really depressing time for me. Maybe it was like, you know, a middle-aged crisis or uh, like, uh, what is that? reverse culture shock coming back into my culture. I don't know what it was, but I completely lost who I was. So I go to Durango, start hanging out there. Maybe I'll find myself here. Look around, people are like, these dudes wearing like Chacos and Carhartt pants and Patagonia hats and <laughs> pretty much dressed the way I am right now. And they're like talking, yeah, my life coach and like, ah, oh, my naturopath and da 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 da. So I'm like all messed up in the head, super depressed, like freaking out. Who am I? What's going on? So I only, you know, I do the right thing, right? I call my friend the life coach, and I go to a naturopath, <laughs> and I get my head back on. And uh, so I start to re like immerse into another culture. And uh, this whole time, I've been circling around this area right here, Montezuma County. This is where my people are. This is where my friends are. That was powerful. Sorry. And so I move out of Bayfield. Oh, hi, I miss it. Not really. <laughs> and uh, so I move over here. I'm closer to my desert, right? And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, who am I now, right? So I start recognizing, like, who I am now. And who I am now, I run rivers. I'm still passionate about education. So who are you? Who am I? Yate, she Tyson Wood, you Thank you, Tyson, for sharing your story. The last Dragon Tail storyteller we heard from was Holly Ford. Holly is a sarcastic 10th grader at Southwest Open High School. Before her time at SWOES, she was homeschooled for five years with a focus on sarcasm and humor. In her free time, she enjoys quilting, math and words, words and words. Here is Holly's story. All righty. Hey. Hey, you didn't have to put it as slow this time. What's up? I'm Holly. All right, I'm just gonna jump into it. I'm gonna take you back one year. One year ago, I realized summer was approaching. And at the time, I didn't like the idea of being unproductive. This has changed. So I was like, oh no, what am I gonna do? So I start talking to my teachers and they tell me about this group, Deer Hill. Teachers had worked at my school there. so. One teacher helped me write a scholarship. 
I wrote, this is the first scholarship I had ever written. I wrote a scholarship and I based it around my brother. My brother had done a similar trip. He went on a backpacking trip into the mountains of Wyoming. He left, he went into it terrified. He came back a new person. I wanted that change. So I decided I would say that. So I take the story and I write it and I send it out and a little while goes by and terror builds and then I finally get hurt, get back. I'm told I got nearly a $3,000 scholarship and I'm so excited. I decide I don't need to train. I'm gonna go on a three week backpacking trip. <laughs> Easy. So time goes by, still don't train, you know, just work, whatever. And July 7th comes. I jump into the car, I drive 20 minutes to Mancus. To me, it's a day in Mancus. And I get there and there is these people from New York. There's people from the Dominican Republic here. There's a girl from Paris. These people have never even seen the stars. To them, this is a new world, essentially. And to me, it's a day in Mancus. I'm seeing these people and they're all just so happy to be here. And then I finally see this one girl. We're at the lake and we're all chilling. This one girl walks up, tall, brunette, beautiful, gorgeous. And I'm like, wow, this girl is gonna be a fucking bitch. <laughs> I hate her already. So we spend this time being super awkward and clean. And we're all like, okay, yeah, personal space. And we're awkward and we're figuring out sort of -ish how to set up a tarp and we're learning how to use a stove. And we finally do it. We get in a van and we drive to Bailey, which is awesome because that's my sister's name. And we're driving there. The entire drive, we're getting French lessons. And that is where I decided I'm not speaking French. <laughs> so we finally drive for two hours and we hit the trailhead. We take a picture together and we're all awkward, we're clean, we're, you know, I couldn't even freaking put my pack on. Here I am, this 100 pound kid carrying around a 45 pound pack. That's almost half my body weight. <laughs> uh. So we get onto this trail. This is the easiest part of the hike. This is gonna be easy. And I'm crying. And I'm like, is it too late now to say E back? Because I just wanted to go home. I haven't even spent 20 minutes in the women's wilderness, and I want to go home. So we set up camp for the first time. We sort of-ish set up camp. Didn't really. And we start going through it. We did trail work. My job, shoveling horse crap. So much fun. <laughs> And I'm really regretting it now. I'm like, oh, crap. And then we get into it. We get further in. Then we decide, it's time to start going uphill. But not bad enough that you're carrying around 45-pound pack. You're going to start going up thousands of feet. <laughs> I had to take a break every five seconds. I'd be, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm dying. Mm. 
So they finally tell me, this is like, we've only gone like three hours. And they're like, Holly, we can't do this. Literally, we can't spend a whole day going a mile. And they're like, you know what you need to do? You need to lighten your pack. This is the first time in my life someone tells me I can't do something. First of all, I'm mad. And I'm like, oh, hell no. And then they tell me, like, seriously, you need to do this. And then I start crying. And I'm not a crier, so it was crazy. And this girl, who I think is a bitch, walks up to me, kneels down, and says that one right thing. I don't even remember what it was. But when someone says that one thing that's correct, it's like, finally, someone said one word right. And it made me feel okay. And I was like, I can do this. So I lightened my pack, and I was all ready. And then we started going. It got easier. I had someone I liked. We grew over our bond of hating everyone else. We really perfected that art. And so we start going down. And then we hit our halfway mark. It's time to uh, go down, like blow off all that energy I wasted going up or going back down. Because we have to go make our packs heavy again with food. So we're going down. We're like racing down. And we're going down the trail. And it's like, yeah, we can do this. And we get to the Biocida River. I'm literally taking a camp. 100 feet from this river. This majestic, white, amazing river. Best image of my life. And they do this thing while we wait for the mule to bring us our food, where it's called alone time, or quiet time. You're not allowed to have this time device. I brought one. You're not allowed to bring a book. They caught that. So I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, fine, I want to be by the river if I'm going to have to do this. So I do. And I sit there, and I'm like, wow, this is really majestic and beautiful. I'm looking at the river, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And this is a two-hour alone time. And this was 10 minutes. So then I'm like, oh, crap. And now I'm just eating chocolate and just being like, okay, just, yeah, it's only been 30 seconds. So then I finally noticed there's this tiny little worm. And then I'm like, okay, I'll just watch this worm. And that's when I watched a worm spin a cocoon for 20 minutes. That was a very interesting thing to see. <laughs> and then thankfully, alone time ended. So we start going back uphill. Imagine my happiness. And then we get to this part. This is a rolling hill. Seems easy. You know, it's not rugged like it has and then all of a sudden and in the mountains when things change drastically it can be a sunny day when you wake up and then there's lightning at night so what happened was we we're going up there we're eating our lunch we're having a good time and then lightning and thunder happen we have to go down these willows and my foot gets stuck I'm positive I'm gonna die and they're like, you're okay, you're fine, you're fine. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna die. And I never believed in panic attacks until then, where I had my first panic attack. And what brought me was this girl again, Cleo. And 
it was just, she helped me through it. And then we finally get to the spot. And it's a boulder field. And I'm small, so I can just like jump. Boulder, 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 easy. She couldn't. She got scared, really scared. And what happened was her fear actually made her fall. And she got a concussion three days before the trip ended. I was really sad when she, I found out she had to be evac'd that day. I was like, shit, I'm stuck with these people. Oh, did not like that. So then we're starting to just get down to our camp spot and I'm just done with everyone. So I'm just crawling to my sleeping bag that smells like pepperoni now. And then I see her come back and she throws a chocolate bar at me and I'm like, I'm saved. And we walk back and we talk about how we're gonna all see each other again, we're not. And then I got home and no one was there. And I decided I'm gonna reflect. And there I thought about it. She couldn't go through a boulder field. She had a better, this girl had a better capability to carry something, but I didn't. I'm 100 pounds. I can't carry a 45 pound pack. So when it came time for that, I thought, wow, life isn't about carrying everything by yourself. Sometimes it's okay to have help and it's great to know your own strengths. Thanks, Holly, for telling that story. And thanks to all of our Dragon Tales storytellers. A special thanks to Nate Osgood, who came up with the idea for Dragon Tales, and to Think360 Arts for Learning, who funded it. If you haven't already, please be sure to listen to part one of this special edition of Dragon Tales. And pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event on the contact page at our website at ravennarratives.org. Our next Raven Narratives events are coming up on June 2nd and June 3rd when the theme will be Broken. Don't forget you can find all of Raven Narratives podcasts featuring our live storytellers on our website at ravennarratives.org and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And as always, Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. (laughs) 